Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church family. I got a few of you in the room. Most of you are joining us online today. Um, I just want to make mention of a couple things. Let me just give you a 15-second pastoral moment in life. We're going to be wise, but we're not going to be afraid. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen in the chat? Can I get an amen in the room? We're going to be wise. We're not going to be afraid. And that last song that we sang, we exalt God and God only in our lives. He's first place. The news is not first place. Fear is not first place. Nervousness is not first place, but God is first place, and we exalt him in our lives. Well, you know, I'm sure many of you watch the news and, you know, uh, latest restriction things going on, and we actually have already adjusted our plans before we we got the, the news from the government because we were actually planning um, to be online only starting next week. So we are moving into the Christmas season, like Ellen said, and we're going to be online. It's going to be a great Christmas season. It's going to be different, but it is also going to be great. So uh, continue to join us online next week and the week after, and it's just going to be a great uh, season as we finish out 2020, uh, worshiping God, uh, leaning into God's Word, just having a great time as a church family. So uh, you could be watching. I think most of our service times are the same throughout. Uh, obviously, next week is the same, 9-11. We have, uh, I think, one week uh, adjusted service time uh, for our Christmas, uh, one of our Christmas events happening. But you can uh, keep abreast of all of that through social media and then also on our website. All right. We are in week four of a series that we have called That sounds better. And what the premise is of this series is that we want to live our lives like well-played music. And, you know, music has this very uh, interesting power over our lives. And, you know, if you've ever been to a concert, if you've ever watched a concert online, you know that certain melody lines can start playing and thousands of people will go crazy. What is happening with music? How does it connect with us on just this reality level that we can even barely describe? And I think that there's a, a tremendous fusion of things happening when we hear music. And like I've said so far, it's like artistic math. And what that is, it's, it's the bringing together of two very different things. And it connects with our soul. It connects with us on a reality level that we actually can't describe. I hope you talk about it in your city group. And, and once again, I don't even think we realize the power that music has over us, but it is, once again, these beautiful patterns that we're seeing uh, repeated. And then we, we, we discover a pattern. When a, a songwriter discovers a pattern, he just wants to share that with the world because he knows that that musical pattern will connect with you. And, and my daughter, a big inspiration for this series, she is very musical and just, you know, so many times she'll be, she's got playlists upon playlists, so many different songs from so many different decades. And she will just be searching through a song to try to find something that's connecting with her at the moment or maybe wanting to change what she's feeling at the moment. And we know that the word of God is actually like that as well. 
that the Word of God connects with us on this beautiful pattern, uh, successfully lived principles, and that's how the Word of God is. And we can see this over and over again in the Scripture. We see that um, the children of Israel will put the musicians out in front, the praisers out front. So the whole book of Psalms is about psalms and poetry and, and things that would connect with us on a musical level. So, so far in this series, we've talked about grace and truth. Seemingly two different things, but when they come together, they sing a beautiful song. Uh, Godly leadership, that the way up is down. Last week, we talked about three different things, knowledge, faith, and action, bringing those three things together and having them be a really good sound in our lives. Now, if you've missed any of those messages, they're all available. You can watch all of them on our website. And each week, we did um, a musical representation. We played some good music, then we played some bad music. We actually don't have anything along those lines. This week, we're going to have something next week to show you again. But if you missed those, you can go check them out on our website. The word melody, melody just means a sequence of single notes that is musically satisfying, harmony agreement, accord, harmonious relations, a consistent, orderly, or pleasing arrangements of parts, congruity. In other words, it fits together. It just makes sense. And even if you aren't musical, if you can't write music, you know when music doesn't work. You could hear a wrong note being played or the rhythm is off. And that's what I would suggest is happening in our world. There's a lot of different notes that don't actually go together that aren't well-pleasing to our spirit. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to tune our lives to what's happening in the culture, that we should actually be wanting to tune our lives to the Word of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God, the principles and the promises of God, because that's when we're going to sing a well-lived life. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says this, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So that's the note that God wants us to play with our lives. That's the song God wants us to sing, is that we can live peaceably with everybody. We don't, we're not changing our, uh, the way we live our lives according to the culture that we're going to sing the song that God would have us to sing with our lives. Colossians 3, verse 14. Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 says this. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his Delight. So today we're going to be talking about a couple different things that actually seemingly don't go together, and sometimes we separate them out um, for the purpose of teaching and the, and the scripture, and then sometimes when they get separated out for the purpose of teaching, people get confused about these different things. Now, today we're going to talk about generosity and blessing. Generosity and blessing. Now, I know everybody in the room, you can't leave. You're here. But everybody online, don't leave. I got a great announcement at the end that I want to talk to you about. So even this might not be your favorite message, uh, hang on to the end. It's going to be a great thing. We're just going to be talking, leaning into the scriptures this morning and learning together. Proverbs chapter 11 says this, whoever brings a blessing will be enriched. And the one who waters will himself be watered. Two principles that we see here 
in, in this verse, and we see it repeated twice. When you bring a blessing, you'll be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Now, this, talks, this is talking about every area of our lives, that we actually can be individuals of blessing, that we can be a church of blessing. And this is what we want to do as a church, we, and what we want to do as individuals. And then what does God say, though? When we bring a blessing, what will happen? We will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. So in other words, that something always happens in the scripture, and you see these two things paired together so well in the scripture over and over again, it is generosity and blessing. Now, do you believe that God is a God of blessing today? Now, I I didn't bring you any scriptural proof, because there's just hundreds and hundreds of verses about God being a God of blessing. So there is actually no dispute, according to the scripture, whether or not God is a God of blessing, a God is a God of generosity. Now, even if you just looked at creation, God didn't just say, here's a tree, y'all. What did he say? Like, here's all these uh, thousands of species of trees, and then I'm just going to create forests. And then it's not I'm going to give you a drop of water. I'm going to give you oceans of water. That God is actually a God of abundance. That, that God is a God of blessing. Now, when we get going on these topics and we talk about these things, once again, God joins these two principles together, generosity and blessing. Now, within the history of church, um, there's maybe been some ditches that people have fallen into when talking about these subjects. And I heard one pastor a little while ago say, you know, for every mile of truth in the scripture, there's two miles of ditch on either side. And when we've talked about these things in the church, it's very easy to fall into one ditch or the other. But once again, God brings these principles together that are different. And he wants us to join these two different notes together in our lives so that we can sing the song according to the scripture. Now, uh, a couple of the extremes that I would say that we could maybe see in this area is this idea of poverty. People would think that it's pious or, or humble to be a person of poverty. And then you would see out throughout church history, people would take, I'm going to take a vow because I'm so spiritual and I want to be very close to God. I'm going to take a vow of poverty. There's no such thing in the scripture. God is not asking us to take a vow of poverty. And then there's probably this other extreme that we can see. There's once again, there's so many verses on the subject of blessing that God uh, has told us all of these things, but then people could become greedy that they, they could take all of the blessings in their lives and make it some sort of spiritual scorecard to say, well, look how blessed I am, therefore look how spiritual that I am. Now, I'm going to differentiate these two things. One of the things that we see with generosity and blessing, the one who waters is watered himself. So generosity and blessing, both of these things take an open hand. For you to be generous... You have to open your hand and release something to somebody else, to give something to somebody else, to give resources, to give a blessing, to give encouragement, to give time. You have to have an open hand. And then to be blessed, you actually need an open hand as well because God wants to bless you. So you have to open your hand to receive what God has given to you. And I would say that's the healthy balance. Now I'm going to show you something else. And maybe we don't put these things in the same category. 
But for you to be extremely pious, thinking, no, I, I actually don't need anything, you've actually closed your hand. I, I, don't, I don't want to receive any of the blessings of God. I'm going to take a vow of poverty, and I've closed my hands. Greed is the same way. Greed is, this is mine. I'm going to hold on to it. Now, usually we're more mad at the greedy person than we are at the pious, seemingly pious person. But do you see that both of them have a closed fist? I'm not going to receive a blessing. And then also, I'm going to hold on to my stuff and I'm not going to let it go. What does blessing and generosity do? It's they both of them have an open hand. I'm going to give away what God has given to me. And then I'm also going to keep an open hand to receive what God wants to give to me. So we we don't want to be closed-fisted with the blessings that God has. We want to be open to give. We want to be open to receive what he has for us. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen in the chat? So we see this over and over again. So many things in the scripture about resources that God has put into our hands. Jesus talks so many Uh, times about resources and really this principle comes up over and over again this principle of stewardship now what what stewardship means is that you're managing something you don't necessarily own something and this would be true um, with us as the church that the church in 2020 is stewarding the church in this season we are stewarding the gospel message in this season. It's not ours. We don't own it. But we are stewards. I, I talked a couple weeks ago about leadership, how we're stewarding the leadership God has placed in our hands. We're managing it. We don't actually own it. It's only going to be for a season. Um, and then the same thing with our resources. We are actually only managing our resources for this lifetime. So it's kind of like this. We, act, we, we, we say this phrase... That I own stuff. But really, there's a myth of ownership. Um, in the year 2140, nobody in this room and nobody watching online will own anything. Why is that? Because you'll all be with Jesus, right? You're not going to be on the earth anymore. So what are you doing? You're stewarding something while you're here. Even though the title deed of the house that you live and the plot of land that that house sits on has your name as you are the owner, God just lent it to you for a little while. It's actually his. It's his earth. It's, it's his world. The scripture tells us that. The resources to build that house, God created those resources. For, so what are we doing? We're, we're managing it. We are stewards of what we have right now. And see, this is how... This is how God engages us in our generosity. Because what he's telling us is, here's what I want you to do with the resources that are in your hand right now. Because the resources that are in your hand right now, I'm just lending them to you for while you're alive. Because there's actually something that I want you to do with those resources. There's a song that I want you to sing with the resources that you have. And I I actually don't want you to be closed fist. God, because I, I want you to be a giver. I want you, God would say, I want you to be generous like me. I want you to be uh, someone who has the character and nature of a blessing. But then I also don't want you to be greedy when I give you stuff. I'm just lending it to you for this lifetime. And when I give you stuff, I don't want you to put a clinch fist on it. I want you to keep that open hand because then I might speak to you because I want you to be generous with the things that I'm giving you. So we are managing someone else's resources. 
And this is why God wants to speak to us. This is a big part of our discipleship, friends. If you will engage in it, God, what do you want me to do with the resources that I have? That, that God is the provider, and then he provides all things to us, and then he has something to say about the resources that he gives us. Now, my oldest daughter over here, when she was still in her car seat, we went through Tim Hortons one time, and I bought her a muffin. She was not gainfully employed like she is now, praise the Lord. She had no ability to go and get a job and earn anything for herself. Everything to this moment in her life was completely dependent on me and Nicole. She had nothing without us. Nothing. She still barely has anything. But anyway, that's another subject. So we went through Tim Hortons. I bought her a muffin. I said, Avery, can I have a little bit of muffin, please? And she was, again, she's right, just whatever, two or three olds. She's still very young. She didn't have generosity locked down just yet. So I reached my hand back as her provider. Want a little bit of muffin. I want you, I'm going to tell you what you should do with your resources. Put my hand back to get some muffin, and I brought my hand forward, and I needed a microscope to see the crumbs of the muffin that she had actually given to me. It was so small, and in that moment, I was just like, I was a little bit mad. I hadn't taught her about generosity. I'm like, you, you, I bought this for you. I gave this to you, and you're going to give me a little crumb. Now, God doesn't take that attitude with us. But what he does want us to do is he actually wants us to be generous with everything that we have, everything that's in our hands. He's given it to us. He's provided it to us, and we're just stewarding it while we're here on this planet. So let's just read some verses here that will help us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Whoever sees, sees anything different in you, what do you have that you did not receive? So what's the answer to that question? Nothing. Everything that you have, you received it from God. Everything that you have, you received it from God. And once again, we, this, is, this is a really important principle to think about. Once again, you didn't self-manifest that body. God provided it for you. Everything that we have has been given to us. And this is why one of the, the greatest representations uh, of a heart of generosity is when we go to work, what, what do we do? That represents us. And so what do we talk about when we're talking about tithes and offerings? We're talking about a way for me to honor God, to show that I realize that I'm actually an owner of nothing, that I'm a self-manifester of nothing, that everything I have has been given to me. So when I'm able to go to work, it's so easy for me to give back to God. Why? Because he's given me everything. And this is how Nicole and I have lived our lives. This is how we live our lives. And I can say, you know, with, with moral authority that we, we've been on staff here for 26 years. We've been married for 26 years and a couple months now. There has never been a week that Nicole and I looked at each other and said, you know what? We're just not going to tithe this week. Now, for two different reasons. This, we understand this to be true. And we actually believe, maybe three reasons, we actually believe in the mission of the local church. We really believe that the church is the hope of the world and the message that the church provides is a necessary message in the culture right now. 
And then the other part, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I would be afraid not to give it. Not fear of God, but I just feel like I'm just going to reverence God with my giving. I, 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 we automatically give our tithes every week here at the City Church, and we have done for 26 plus years. Every week, there's never a week that we, Nicole and I look at. Well, you know what? We're just not going to be faithful with our giving this week. No, every week, all of the time. Why? Because God has been generous to us, so He we can keep an open hand. Why? Because He's provided all that we have, and so it's easy for us to be generous. We're going to look at a couple portions of scripture here. Once again, there's so many things in the New Testament about generosity and your resources. I encourage you to make it a study, but I'm just going to read you a couple portions of scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote to two different churches about generosity. The first one here is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So once again, if you have your Bibles at home or here in the room, let's turn there, let's look at it. And Paul is... Uh, writing to the Corinthian church about an offering that he's going around and receiving from different churches to help saints in another place. And so he wants the Corinthian church to get ready to give. And I love what um, Paul does here in this whole section of scripture, that he's telling the Corinthian church, hey, these other churches are being generous. You, you, you don't want to not be generous, do you? But then he doesn't just leave them with that. He explains to them all about what generosity is. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5. And if you go back a previous chapter, the whole previous chapter 2 is about the same idea of generosity. You can make it a study this afternoon. Let me just read you here in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 9. So I thought it necessary to urge you, brothers, to go ahead and to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised. So that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. And see, this is what God wants us to do. That we would be willing to give, that we would be willing to be generous. Not an exaction, not that I'm going to take it and you're going to force you to give. And once again, we say every time we talk about generosity, we're not trying to force you to give here. And I have no access to your bank accounts. So I can't actually make you give anyway, but I feel like as, as a disciple of Jesus, we should want to know these principles. We're not exacting anything out of you, but it, we, God wants it to be willing. When I reached my hand back for some muffin, I actually wanted it to be more. I didn't want a microscopic piece of muffin. I wanted my daughter to be more generous, but thank God we've trained her differently. She's moved on since toddler years. Verse six, listen to what he says. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So once again, he's saying there's a principle here. There's there's a principle in existence. And this principle is in the earth. If you sow a lot of seeds, if you're a farmer and you sow a lot of seeds, what happens? You get a a bountiful harvest. If you sow just a, a few seeds, what happens? You get a smaller harvest. And so Paul is saying, hey, this is a principle. There's nowhere to run from it. It is how the world works. Listen to what he says. Each of you must give as you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not that God would make you give or some some preacher would make you give or that I would make you give. What is it? For God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because aren't, aren't your hands open to the blessings of God? Come on, if you're wise, they should be. 
Because God wants to bless you. Did you know that? God wants to bless you. So my hand should be wide open. God, whatever you want to put in my hand, I say yes to it. But then those same open hands are generous hands that I'm giving willing. I, I'm just giving with joy in my heart. Why? Because I know that God has given me everything that I have. Everything that I have, God has given to me. So I'm, I know that he has provided for me to this point. And so my hands are wide open, Lord. My hands are wide open to be generous. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you see what God wants you to do? God wants you to do good things with the resources that are in your hand. And then what does he say? I'm actually going to help you to do that. If you go through the New Testament and see all of the things that God has commanded us to do or has asked us to do, we need some resources to do the things that God is asking us to do. He says, hey, I'm going to help you with that. There's going to be abounding blessings in your life. So that what? Yes, these are my things. No, it's, it's an open hand. I receive what you give to me, Father, but then I am wide open to be the person that can be a blessing, that I can be generous with what you have put in my hands. Verse 9, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So in other words, this just happens in every way because this is how God has set up the world to be. Did you see what he said there? Seed for the sower, bread for food. So God is providing you two things with the blessings that are coming your way. What are those two things? He's providing you seed. And what do you do with seed? You plant it in the ground. And then what else is he providing for you? Food to take care of you and to bless you. So he's putting these two different things in your hands of what we don't want to do is clamp down on all of it and say, it's all mine. No, man, we're going to open our hands and we're going to sow the things that are seed that God has actually placed seed in our hands. And what do we do with the seed? We could be a blessing with that. We can be generous with what God has put in our hands. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen in the chat? These are good verses right here. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. Resources, but in every way. When you, when you water, you're watered yourself. When you do something, God does something for you. And it's just this, 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 this cycle in the kingdom of God. I, I, God blesses me and I have an open hand. I can be a blessing to someone else. And then God blesses me some more. And then what can I do? I can be a blessing to someone else. Enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. God wants us to be generous because he's generous with us. Which, through us, will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval, this service will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace 
of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Let's go back to verse 13 there. It says this. By their approval, this service, talking about generosity with resources, they will glorify God because of your submission. So this other, this other group that's going to be blessed because of your submission to this idea of generosity. They're, they're going to be blessed. That comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. That your gen- the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. So in other words, our submission to the gospel should produce in us generosity. Why should that be true? Because the gospel is all about grace. That God is giving everything to us. Everything that we have comes from the nature of God. Why? Because we all start out like my toddler daughter. What is that? Completely selfish. But when we look in the gospel, we can see how generous God is and how open-handed God is with this, with the blessings that he's put in our hand. And so what do we do? We stay open and he wants us to be generous so that we can be like him. And see, we all need to start today wherever we're at. It's not, this is for everybody. Generosity is for everybody. Yeah, but I only have this much. But there's still room for generosity. It's not, it, we're, we, we shouldn't think of, of giving in the context of church like the tax argument. What is the tax argument in the world? I'm not making, you can have this argument later. It's like, what do we say? Well, the rich people should pay more. It's not like that in the church that everybody in the church, regardless of your resource level right now, should be generous. Amen. Everybody should be generous. Why? Because God is generous. It is for everybody. Equal sacrifice. God is calling us all to be sacrificial in our giving. That we're we're sacrificing and it's going to be different numbers because he's asking us to give on a percentage level. It It actually makes so much sense, friends. It's such a wonderful gift that God has given us to be a blessing. Last section of verses here, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippian church specifically about this idea. And he says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Now he's talking specifically about Paul is in prison here and then they had sent him an offering. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In other words, they, you know, he's being nice to them in the sense that they hadn't given him anything. And he's like, well, you just didn't have an opportunity. But you, you've revived your giving. And then he says this, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the sacred, uh, secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Verse 13, famous verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Now, do you see these things? They go together. Giving and receiving. It's all an open hand. They go together in the scripture and we get into trouble when we try to separate them. 
giving and receiving except you only. Verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Listen to what he says. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And as your pastor, this is why I want you to learn to be generous. It's not that I'm asking for something for me. It's what is it? I'm seeking fruit that increases to your credit. Why? Because it's an open hand. All believers should be open-handed. Open-handed with God, what he's put in our hand, we can be generous. And then we, we open that, those hands to be generous. What do we do? We actually receive something. God gives us something back. Why would we try to run from that principle? Why would we try to argue against it on either extreme? Let's just stay in the middle of the road. Let's stay away from the ditches. And then to see what the scripture says, that we don't have to be deceived. But I seek fruit that increases to your credit. I have full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you send, a fragrant offering. Listen to what it says. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. See, when we give... What are we doing? We're sacrificing that. And what does that mean? It means we're not going to use it for ourselves. It's a sacrifice. And then what is that sacrifice? It's well-pleasing to God. It pleases God when we are like him. We open our hands to give. And it's a sacrifice we give to him. What does it say, though? A fragrant offering. Now think about this. When we give something here on the earth, when we give to the church, it actually doesn't just stay here. And it, it, it does things here in Mississauga, and we're able to preach the gospel, and we're able to be a blessing to the city around us. But our generosity actually comes up before God. And what does it say? It's a fragrant offering. So something spiritual happens when we give. Now, you could just give, well, you know, I just want to make sure the church can keep their lights on. I mean, you can do that if you want, but it's so much more. It is actually an offering to God. I'm offering this to God. It's coming up before him as a fragrant offering. And then what does it do? It pleases him. Why? Because we're walking in his character and his nature because his hands are always open to us. Do you understand this? His hands with the ultimate gift are always open to humanity, that God is a giver. The, the scripture says, God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. This is how God operates. He is a giver. He is generous, and he's wanting us to get in that cycle of giving and receiving generosity and blessing. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Like I told you, Nicole and I, this is our, this is our life habit. This is how we live our lives, and then we just trust that God's going to take care of us. We're just going to open our hands to the generosity that God is asking of us and that we're just going to trust that God is going to take care of us, that our needs will be met according to God's ways, 
not just what Nicole and I can produce, that our trust is in God. I'm sacrificing this to you, God, and my hands are open to your blessings. And then when God blesses me more, I'm able to keep my hands wide open and I give back more. There's a beautiful balance in that. There's a beautiful melody and harmony in that. So I just want to thank you and encourage you. For those of you that have continued your generosity during this very difficult season of 2020, and once again, I tell you, just to tell you again, I don't actually know who gives what individually here at the church. I never check it. All I have is totals to to go with and manage the church finances with. So I don't know who gives and who doesn't give, but for those of you that have continued your generosity in 2020, I thank you. And for those that haven't or the struggle or maybe just getting started with this, hey, I encourage you, join the team. Join the team of generosity here at the City Church because we actually have a long-standing history at the City Church of being generous. And it didn't start with me. And it actually had a lot to do with my parents. And you know who it actually goes back to? Uh, God himself. Jesus is building the church. I want to be in on that. And I can be every week with my resources. I I am so excited to give every week here at the City Church because I know so many good things happen when we give. When we give, great things happen. Here's the announcement that I want to give to you today. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And like I just mentioned there a second ago, uh, relating to my parents, anybody that knows my parents well would say they are two of the most generous people you have ever met. And they functioned as pastors. They, they pastored here for 20 years before me. I've just been pastoring the last 12 years in the lead role. But they actually have left a legacy of generosity here at the City Church. The reason that we are in a a, a paid-for church building has to do with this principle that my dad believed, hey, we're going to be generous. The church, I I don't have time right now to tell the whole story because I'm already late here. The church was in a huge amount of debt. And my dad believed these verses. And the verses were, I'm going to give seed to the sower and bread for food. And in other words, even a church that was in debt had seed to sow. And my dad just embraced it. Started to give and started to be generous and had this dream for a a, a church building that was paid for even when we were in the mountains of debt. And here we sit and we worship and we broadcast from a church building that's paid for. Because somebody had open hands. Open hands to be generous. Open hands to receive the blessing that God gives. And so we have a legacy here at the City Church of generosity. And so we're going to start a tradition next year in in June of 2021. And we're going to call this a legacy offering. Because what we want to do is we want to create a legacy of generosity because we have a foundation of generosity. And so what this offering would be in June of next year, it would be something um, 
beyond our tithes and offerings, our normal giving to the church. And it's going to have four very specific purposes why we would give this offering. I'm just going to read you this list. So this offering that we're going to receive once again in, in, in June of 2021, and we'll give you more details in January about how we're going to do it. We're going to give in four different areas. So when this offering comes in, it's going to be dispersed in four different ways. The first one, uh, when we receive this legacy offering, it's going to go to church planting and establishing in Canada. So we as a church family, what we're going to do is we're going to invest some of the resources that come in in this legacy offering to plant other churches in Canada. We need more churches in Canada, don't we? We do. We need more churches in Canada, and there's a bunch of churches that are just getting started, and we want to invest in those churches as well. So the very first thing that we're going to do as a church family from this legacy offering is we're going to give to church planning and establishing. The second thing we're going to do is we're, there's a bunch of great ministries here um, in our city that are doing a lot of great things, and so we're going to take a big chunk uh, of this legacy offering, and we're just going to be a blessing in our city, eating food for change, just to be a blessing to feed people in our city. And we'll just take a big chunk of this legacy offering and we'll give it to them. The third thing that we're going to do is we're going to do something internationally. We're going to do something around the world because we want to create a legacy of generosity with our giving. And these things can fall in many, it can fall in humanitarian aid, it can fall in missions work. And then the, finally, the thing we're going to do with this legacy offering is that we're, we're going to invest in some ministries right here at the City Church. We're going to invest in our ministries for our kids. We're going to uh, do some things here around our building. Um, even though it's paid for and it's a blessing, we've been here almost 10 years now. Some of the areas are getting worn out. We need to fix them up, and we've got equipment to buy. So we're going to do something in all of those four areas with the legacy offering. We're going to give to church planting. We're going to give to church establishing in Canada. We're going to give to be a blessing here in our city. We're going to give internationally to leave a legacy with our generosity around the world. We're going to do good things with our resources. And finally, we're going to give uh, so that we can complete some projects around here at the city church. And once again, none of these, none of this legacy offering is going to come to me. None of it's going to come to our staff. It's going to come to for those four areas that I just listed. Can I get an amen? It's going to be an exciting thing for uh, us to partake in because we're going to just get to be generous and then we're going to get to celebrate with the areas that we are generous in. All right, the greatest generosity that God has ever given to mankind is that when he sent his son, for God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his son to us so that we could actually have a relationship with him. So if you're watching online this morning and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you just as a starting point in your relationship with God to say yes to Jesus. The gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came to live a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead so that we could actually know God for ourselves. We don't try to pretend that we're perfectly moral and then offer that to God. No, because we aren't. We don't create some sort of religion and say, okay, God, here's my new religion. I'm going to offer that to you. Will you accept it? No, God gives us a gift of a relationship with him. And all we have to do is say yes. So let's bow our head and close our eyes this morning in the church here in the room. Let's pray this out loud together. God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross 
and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to your righteousness. I say yes to a relationship with you. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.